This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, parents. Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Green. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona area, and Michael is up there in Spokane, Washington area, and we are excited to be with you today for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. And today, a a great question uh, from a teacher who uh, is concerned about one of the boys in his class, Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Uh, Michael, how are things up there in Spokane today? Yeah, doing very well. We're into fall colors now, mm. as, as many people might be, and, and the fall colors are absolutely exquisite, so it's kind of really blissful. Um, it's gone down in temperature significantly. The nights are like 32, you know, oh. so um, really gone down in temperature, and the days are 50. Uh, so it, it, life has changed from our uh, some of our other podcasts. Our listeners will remember that at one point I was talking to you, and it was like 111 here, which yeah. is very shocking for Spokane. Not for Phoenix, but for Spokane. But yeah. now we're back to fifty. Well, actually, that sounds kind of nice. We're 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 going to be down in the low seventies for our lows, but wow. we're not wow. getting too high. It's you know maybe be ninety some degrees for right now, which is good for us. That's okay. We can we can handle that as we start moving into uh, the fall season. Uh, so, Michael, before we get to this question, uh, I do want to ask you to talk a little bit about our friends over there at the Forge School. The Ford School, yep, in Benton, Tennessee, rural Tennessee, beautiful. Let's talk about gorgeous. I mean, it's just absolutely gorgeous nature there on a river, um, Great and a great facility, 55 acres. It's residential treatment, so it's six weeks to two months residential treatment for boys 14 to 17 who are having trouble and um, having troubles in school, in the family system, um, depressed, uh, could be suicidal, could have you know various disorders. So really great team um, at the school. And if people go, if any listener who knows a 14 to 17-year-old boy is having issues, if you go to wonderofparenting.com, you'll see a link to the Ford School, and then it opens up to their website. And we also want to remind you of our good friends up there in the Seattle area, Greg Jantz, Dr. Greg Jantz, and the great folks there at the Center of Place of Hope who do outstanding work uh, helping you deal with some of the challenges of life. And we say this all the time. Greg has written almost a book a year for I don't know how many years. And any topic you can think of, he's written an excellent book about it. That's a great resource. Greg Jantz, J-A-N-T-Z. And, um, but it's the center place of hope. And you can find out more about them on wonderparenting.com and encourage you to check them out. So I misspoke a little bit. I was thinking that this was a uh, male teacher who wrote in this question. It's a female who wrote in the question. And uh, I'm going to start right here. Uh, This, by the way, is from our Facebook group. So if you've not joined our Wonder of Parenting Facebook group, this is a group you want to join in. A lot of great insights there from other parents. It's on Facebook. Just look up Wonder of Parenting and hit join, and we'll we'll let you in. So here's the question. I'm a teacher of nine years and a huge Michael Gurian fan. Read every book. Mm, Bless you. 
Yeah, that's a lot of books. I know. That's I've, a lot of books. I feel I've, for I've you. Too, yeah. I, I say but this all the you. time. When Michael and I first met 15 years ago, he said, yeah, I think I've written my last book, and that was 30 <laughs> books ago. Yeah. I know. It's terrible. Yeah. I have a writing disorder, but yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> I teach students ages 3 to 8. I have a boy turning 5 in a month who lacks empathy, displays aggressive behaviors quite often, and clearly does not have impulse control like a lot of boys his age. We recently had a behavior in class where he was playing a game with another boy on the play structure, and he lost. After the loss, he approached another boy, not associated with the game, and punched him directly in the eye with substantial force and turned and walked away. The other boy was injured, and the boy who punched him showed no signs of remorse. When I asked the boy why he did that, he denied it completely, saying that it didn't happen. When we told him that we witnessed him doing it, he showed no remorse and continued to lie about it. He said sorry to the boy after we finally pulled the truth out of him because he was forced to, but clearly didn't seem to care. I'm wondering if anyone has any tips on how to teach empathy. He seems to care about others some of the time, but then displays selfish behaviors a lot of the time. He seems to have issues with anger and empathy, but I'm wondering how to teach him empathy specifically. He seems to be very self-absorbed, and doesn't want to be involved in situations in which he does not experience personal gain. Thank you for the help, and sorry for the long post. All right, Michael, I'm ready to hear what you have to say. Okay, circle me back to tips for teaching empathy, because yep. I, I first want to look at this boy himself Okay. Um, in a way to get us to empathize with him, but also to direct him to try to figure out what's going on with him. But then I do, you know, then we need to circle back with tips. So I just want to start in this place where, um, if where this we need to watch this because yeah, every boy, you know, of course, every boy, every child can be impulsive. It, it's you know, every child maybe once in their lives or a few times in their lives has has lost at something and gotten so agitated, um, or for some other reason has gotten so agitated that then they just go lash out. You know, I mean, it happens absolutely. Adults do it, of course, too. Um, so that can happen, and um, uh, and and at the same time, we want to watch this because if this is a pattern that emerges, he's five now. If this pattern emerges, you know, over the next year or two, we start looking at other things, right? And now I'm not going to be talking about this boy. I'm just going to say because we don't know this boy, but we can be looking at an antisocial personality disorder, right? We have to, especially with the if he lies at five, you know, five and six, let's say, to be punching someone else, and then he lies to cover it up, right, because he doesn't, he, you know, he feels ashamed or, or whatever it is, and then he lies, and he keeps lying. So I would say watch that. I wouldn't worry about it yet, but I would watch that to see if something else is going on. The second thing I would say is well, try to figure out, is there something going on in the family system? Um, has he modeled that behavior? And or is there something traumatic going on? Have the parents just recently been divorced? Is there something going on with the attachment with one or both of the parents? Um, uh, you know, you know what I mean. So an attachment issue or a trauma response that that sets him up so that you know at school he's going to punch somebody and he's going to say it didn't happen and have no remorse. Um, the anger, in other words, is so overwhelming that he's carrying. Um, and that gets triggered, that he can't even see past it. So sometimes trauma can create that. 
So I would I would look at that and and um, uh, if if it's none of let's say it's neither of those things, there isn't trauma. Everything's fine in the family system. The attachment is good. There isn't really trauma there, um, and he's not antisocial. He doesn't have a conduct disorder. Uh, this is just a phase. Then that's what this is. This is a phase, and he'll be socialized out of this. Um, he, everyone, the teachers, the parents, because the teacher is going to tell the parents about this. The teachers, the parents are going to focus on this with him, and uh, they'll focus on two things. They'll focus on the helping him control the impulses and consequences for not controlling the impulse, and then they'll focus on the lying. And um, and if it's a phase, then you know we should see this changing six months to a year from now if not sooner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let me just say that before we go into the tips. Did, did that make sense? Yes, yes. So is there um, a disorder that some boys like this might fall under? Somebody who just never has empathy for anybody and just, you know, doesn't care, doesn't feel things. Is that is that some sort of official disorder or yeah. are there other things going on? Well, yeah, if, you know, this is one incident, but for the teacher to bring it up into this Facebook group, you know, and of all the things she could bring up, she brings this up, I would guess that there this has happened before, yeah. you know. But if this is just one incident, it's not going to it's not going to be a conduct disorder or antisocial personality disorder or sociopathology. It's not going to be those things, you know, because every kid can do this. And like I say, every adult has done this. Do something, you don't feel remorse for it, you lie. Okay, you know, because you're angry. And right. You, that, that happens. So for it to become a conduct disorder or for it to, this is going to be later, not, not at five, but later, you know, to be diagnosed with conduct disorder uh, or uh, even a sociopathic, we're going to start seeing this in spades, you know, this pattern is going to go on for a long time and, um, uh, of not being able to control the impulse, then lying about the impulse and then just kind of causing more and more carnage and not being able to have remorse for it. Um, or in her language, uh, of not having empathy, but kind of that's on steroids, you know? Right. And, um, uh, it can sometimes fall under a narcissistic personality disorder, but, uh, so I've given a lot of options. You know, it's early again for that. Uh, but someone down the line, if this continues, would say that. And of course, if this person is, if this boy is going down a direction of sociopathology or something like that, then he's gonna, that's he's gonna hurt a lot of things. He's gonna hurt animals. He's gonna mm -hmm. hurt a lot of things. So right now, what we are gonna say is this is a boy who's done this once, maybe two or three times, and so it's worrisome. But at five. We are going to believe that this is not, you know, a genetic disorder, that, that we can figure out what the trauma is, help him with the trauma if it exists, to get at the rage and the anger and the impulse, um, uh, you know, and or we're going to help the family system with attachment if there's need there. And then 
And then the third thing, which is our next topic, is, okay, we're going to work with him in particular to help him not just empathy, so the tips for empathy, but also um, consequences. And and uh, because to some extent, the consequences of these actions are going to force him to be empathic down the line, because he's not going to want the consequence. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, you know, what we don't hear in this particular question is the follow-up with the parents, what the parents were thinking, and, and you know, who knows? The parents might have said, yes, we're, we are aware of this, or they might say, well, our son would never do that. You never know with, with what's going to happen in those meetings. Mm-hmm. But the particular point that this teacher is writing about is the one that you wanted us to circle back to. How as a teacher, and maybe not just a teacher, but all of us, how do we teach empathy to our children? Okay, so so um, I like I like I absolutely like showing the child who creates the wound or who creates the pain, showing that child the pain, you know, and mm-hmm. really focusing that child on the pain. So <clears throat> in this case is a great example. He punched another guy in the eye area, so there must be some discoloration in the eye area. Uh, you know, we really want to show him that. We want to show him the the pain he has caused. So the other boy probably is crying or is trying not to cry, right, because he's been very hurt. Um, all of that in the system, I, I think the system just kind of stops for a minute, uh, the system being this classroom or being the playground. You know, it stops, and this boy sees the pain he has caused this other boy, and he needs to go, you know, right over to that other boy uh, right then. Um, or, you know, if they're hearing about this later, then as soon as they hear about it, it needs he, they need to go find the boy who has the black eye, go right there. He needs to apologize to that boy. He, they need to talk to each other. You know, things will be a little calmer now. Um, five minutes have passed, let's say, and this the the... The boy who punched, some of his anger hopefully has been dissipated by now so that he can function. And, um, you know, and then uh, so the, seeing the consequence of the action, interacting with the consequence, and wherever that interaction goes, and s- stopping the system for a minute so that that becomes the focus of the system. Um, that, you know, that's different than, okay, everyone else, you know, go play. I'm going to pull you over here. You two are going to. Um, Apologize for a minute and then go back to playing. That that can that can work a lot of the time. But with a guy like this, I think I think he needs to be gaining the empathy uh, in a system that is kind of circling him and encouraging him to gain the empathy, so that it isn't a side conversation. Uh, it's something the whole system wants him to do. You know, so this is in this process of socialization as a five year old. I, I would love to see them try that, uh, and the, and then every time that he does something like this, they'll they'll need to show him the pain, um, you know. Um, and I've talked before, I think, about mirror neurons. Have we talked about that in our podcasts? I wonder how uh, how mirror neurons work. Um, there's a part of the brain called the insula, and for empathy to happen, our brain has to we have to see the pain. The pain of the other comes into our sensory register, which is all our senses, however right. we acquire it. And then it it makes this insula, you know, kind of swell up with that brain activity. And the activity is mirror neurons get created. And our brain mirrors that pain. And 
our brain feels the pain because we've mirrored it. And so that's what I'm working with in this situation, trying to get the whole system to help his brain fill up with more mirror neurons. Because I think what's happening now is he gets angry and the angry impulse comes out, he causes the pain, he can't even, there aren't any mirror neurons for him. And I think the anger is swelling up the amygdala and it's just really making his whole brain uh, uh, fill up with stress hormone and with, with um, anger and all of that neurochemistry. And so it's not allowing the mirror neurons to form. So th that's kind of the core of it, showing others their, uh, show, showing us what we have caused others and cycling that. that. That would be the core. If I had to give a core tip, that would be it. As you were talking, I, I couldn't help but think about the clip that you show on the Helping Boys Thrive Summits uh, when Michael Thompson uh, was visiting. Actually, the, the professor was here in the Phoenix area. Joe Tobin. Yeah. yeah. And he was showing clips of, of what would happen in uh, a Japanese school with little kids. And uh, you know what clip I'm talking about. And I do. so yep. why don't you Raising yeah why cane. don't you just kind of give us a little overview of that clip and and how that system works there uh, and an issue like this. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's almost a similar age group. Yep. Uh, I mean, there was a six-year-old, but they were kind of mentoring like three-year-olds. Um, so it's in this age group. And they, the research was being done on how they run their preschools and their kindergartens. And they, in Japan, they have a lot less intervention than we do in the U.S. And part of what Joe Tobin and uh, Michael Thompson, what these psychologists were doing was trying to figure out Okay, and yet the kids are really empathic. Um, certainly, J Japanese kids have issues, no doubt. But um, what what's you know what's going on? Why is there so much empathy developing? And some of the context for it, which isn't in that clip, but which I've talked to Michael Thompson about, is how low the murder rate is and how low the the cr violent crime mm. rate is in Japan, and how high it is in the U.S. Let's say you know. I mean, we're some of the highest in the right. world. And and from very early, the kids are all expected to be empathic, and they're expected to, um, with each other, to socialize each other into being empathic. They see the consequences of their actions. There are some outliers who become bullies, and, um, and the system attempts to not reward them as bullies. Uh, and this kid could become a bully. It's possible. We don't know yet, but he could become a bully. Um, uh, but the kids are expected, not only do the adults, but the kids are expected to socialize each other into empathy um, by showing the consequences, by requiring apology, you know, and by by the system requiring that. And um, part of the purpose of that clip is to help parents and, and adults in the U.S. to understand that that by telling kids to be empathic, I mean, it's great to tell kids to be empathic, no doubt, but but if we intervene all the time in what they're doing, uh, they themselves don't actually 
build a lot of the empathy we think they're building or want them to build because we tell them to do it, right? They're experiential learners, so they have to be in the system causing the pain and then seeing the consequence of the pain and, oh, I'm not going to do that again um, uh, in the system. And so that's kind of the question of intervention. In a situation like this, and and Tobin and Thompson and I and you, I think, too, would agree that the best way to parent toward this stuff is not to intervene unless the child is in danger, but to try to let the system teach the child with us not intervening. We teach the rules, et cetera, but without us intervening. Now, in this case, this kid got punched in the right. eye, right, and has a black eye. This qualifies as the child is in yes. danger. And so if an adult had been around, I-, I am sure they would have intervened, and that would have been absolutely appropriate. Right. Um, but in a lot of cases, we do intervene thinking that it's we adults who are teaching empathy to our kids or who, who are the sole teachers of empathy to our kids. And um, that's this thing we're trying to get into. And I do a lot with this in Saving Our Sons, too, that that kids are actually going to teach each other. That's They're, they're going to socialize each other. If we let them do it, and if we say good bound to do it in, they will do it. And if this guy... If this guy turns out to have a conduct disorder or becomes a bully, some of that's going to be in his genes. Some of that is going to be in, is it trauma response? Has he been severely traumatized? Uh, and, and or has there something gone on with the attachment? Uh, you know, that's kind of the triumvirate of what might make him into a bully. Um, but maybe he won't be a bully, and I'm going to assume the best of him, and that if the, if the system keeps forcing him to see the consequences that those mirror neurons will form and he will hopefully gradually learn how to deal with his anger and and you know learn not to target it uh, violently right right so so in the clip you're referencing uh, a little boy uh, hits another little boy and one of the girls walks over to the boy who was hit and she just shows empathy to him and um, and then the boy who does the hitting, after a while, he's sort of feeling left out because he knows he did something wrong. And so the system sort of allowed, sort of, in a sense, forced him to own up to what he did, to apologize. And yeah, the teachers, he gets ostracized. Yeah. Right. And the teachers, the teachers don't do anything unless, of course, as you said, it becomes really severe, like punching some guy in the eye to, you know, causing a black eye. So that... Um, so one of the things you're saying is, you know, partly he needs to see uh, the hurt that he's caused. He needs to sort of feel the hurt he's caused and to let the kids around him teach him some of that as well, not just uh, those of us as adults. Yeah, um, we need to teach the other kids not to reward that behavior. Yes. Because as as the other kids, because kids, and I think people kind of suspect this. I bet every listener here suspects this, especially if they have adolescents, tweens or teens, that that peers are teaching their child a lot, right? I mean, if you have, if you're listening to this and you have a 13 year old, you've already seen what what we call peer pressure, or right, or uh, the way peers teach each other, and that your child is moving more toward his peers. Well, that that's true, and so the peers are doing a lot of the teaching, and so as we adults kind of set up these these child development systems, like a school is, we want to set up the system so that the kids all understand not to reward uh, this kind of bad behavior. And as they don't reward it, (laughs) you know, that's part of, it's not all of how, but that's part of how a boy like this 
learns not to do it, as you've said, like, which, which fits that Japanese model, um, learns not to do it because he can't get reward from it. Right. And, and some of why he's doing it is he's so angry, and I've, I've described what's going on in his brain, but as we're, as we're socializing him, this, the peers will be a huge tool. Mm-hmm. Is there, um, at some point, would you look at, not necessarily this specific boy, but he's an example, would you look at that and say, all right, there's a line that's been crossed here, we probably need to get him into a talk therapist? Yeah, or even... You know, art therapy or other kinds okay, of therapy, yeah. more appropriate for a five-year-old. Sure. Um, yeah, if that, that's why I kind of threw in at the beginning. If this becomes a pattern, yep. then uh, we got to seek some professional help. And that professional help is going to help kind of figure out the triumvirate, you know, what's going on in the genetics of this child and the way his brain's set up, mm-hmm. what is trauma response, and what is some kind of attachment issue. Um, within the system, those are going to be sort of the three primary things that will get looked at through the therapist. So if this if this continues, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, yeah. Let's get some, some some help for this. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I'm sure for that teacher and for those students, it's a very frightening moment to have a, a boy just haul off and punch somebody and just be belligerent and saying, I didn't do it. And, um, you know, so we really appreciate this teacher writing in and, and got some really nice responses, too, on the Wonder of Parenting page on Facebook with that uh, information as well. Uh, are there some other things that you can do to teach empathy? I'm, I'm thinking about when kids get older, bringing them to, um, you know, serve at a homeless shelter or, uh, you know, somehow in some way doing community work. Are these things that help build empathy? Yeah. It, anything like that where we're in relationship with others, um, we call it co-regulation. You know, self-regulation comes from co-regulation. That's kind of a, a psych phrase that we use a lot, but it's really true. Uh, what this teacher and the parents and everyone would want this boy to do is to self-regulate, um, to control himself, right, and to direct himself. That's self-regulation. And the way kind of we learned it is co-regulation. So while we're in relationship with others, that's how we learn it. And especially if we have a glitch, like this guy has a glitch, uh, with the anger and the response. So the more that we put him in relationship with others, um, you know, who, and then some of those others who are acting maturely, like this is a guy who who maybe we want him in relationship as he's getting older, you know, in relationship with more older people. Like we want him in relationship with dad and mom. We want him in relationship with men um, uh, because he's a boy and also because Men as males have had to control their anger and self-regulate. He can learn that a model off men. Um, and then we want him, yeah, we want him in these other settings like you've described. We don't want to isolate him. We want him in co-regulative or co-regulating environments, which means other people. Yeah, good. Excellent. Well, Michael, this has been very, very good as always. And um, a big thank you to the teacher for writing in and for your concern about this boy. It says a lot about the teacher as well. Uh, to take the time great. to write. Yeah. And um, so we appreciate that. And again, that question was posted on our Facebook page. Uh, you just go to Facebook, you do a search on Wonder Parenting, you join the group, and then I'll let you in as soon as I get the notification. And then you can participate in a lot of different ways there. You can just read the questions, you can answer questions, you can ask questions, and we'll pick up some questions once in a while from there. Or you can submit your question at wonderparenting.com. We have a submission form there. Uh, Michael, thank you as always. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. And thank you, everyone. We'll be back with you next time. The Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. Thanks very much.
our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.